0: Live from Yubaba's Bathhouse, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Well, hello and welcome to episode 48 of Derailed Trains of Thought. This is Tim Lee Deal. This is Nick Hayden. And we uh, we're coming to you um, really really tired because they've been putting us to work like slaves. Yeah, I have got like, calluses on. all over my hands. I thought this place was supposed to be relaxing. I, I t- didn't, the brochures didn't say anything about no well, humans. Well,
1: <laughs> exactly. We need to keep our mouth shut. Last time we said, "Hey, maybe we'll end up
0: in a," and we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to be careful about yeah. that sort of thing. So but the podcast has a will of its own. Yeah, it's
1: like the as I said before, like the tools Yes. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, but it's, it, it's not, I mean, it's a very interesting time here. I mean, there's you see lots of interesting spirits, radish-looking things, and I don't sleep spirits. very well at night. No,
0: I lots of dreams, bad, bad dreams. But I mean, there's certain ones that you just want to watch out for, like that weird guy with the white mask. Oh,
1: he's he's there's something wrong
0: with that guy. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't trust him any farther than I can throw him. No, I don't think you throw him very far, probably. No, no probably not. But um, welcome. We once again we're risking our lives um, taking a break this. from
1: uh, scrubbing and scrubbing, scrubbing and, and more and cleaning. Yeah, lots of cleaning. Lots of cleaning. <laughs>
0: lots of cleaning. But, but anyway, uh, welcome to episode forty-eight. Well,
1: cleaning next to godliness. So that's a
0: good well, thing. I guess that makes sense when you're at a spirit. House. <laughs> Yes, so if you've, uh, this is episode 48, so if you've been doing a uh, two-day marathon, don't worry, hang in there, you're almost through. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> uh, but thank you for uh, listening in. Uh, how, t- oh, go ahead.
1: That uh, it? Was two seasons of 24.
0: That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good track record. So uh, how have you been, Nick, despite, uh, before we get, got here? <laughs> Apparently you brought your cell phone. Oh, uh, I don't think that's my cell phone. I have no idea who that is either. Oh, okay. Huh. Okay. Apparently one of the spirits brought their cell phone and they're getting um, prank calls okay. or something.
1: Interesting. Won't be the first time, I guess. Uh,
0: so, yes, how's life? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah.
1: I, we had a, a batch of sickness there in our family.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's all, all <laughs> better now. There's some other stuff that actually I'll save my more personal updates for uh, later in the show. I think. Yeah, so I think that'll probably be a better place for it. So
1: should it, we launch right in?
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, let's go into story school. Today's story school topic is beauty. We thought this might be a nice thing to bounce off of since our last episode was on gratuitous content. Uh, this would be kind of, okay, so that's some of the bad sort of things you don't necessarily want in your story. But what's the good stuff? Nick, what is the good stuff? Uh, uh, Bradbury. No, uh, <laughs> No. well, when I was
1: thinking about this topic, I was thought, well, beauty is a very wide subject. So I thought I'd try to break it down. And I guess the first thing I thought of, there's, I guess, two different aspects of beauty, types of beauty. One is just that sort of things that all fit together. You know, beautiful prose, beautiful words, beautiful, you know, the way the symmetry in a painting, or mm-hmm. the craftsmanship, right. you know, is a beautiful table. And I think there's a lot to that. There's that the sense that we have honed our craft in such a way, whatever the craft it is, that it, it exudes a sense of beauty, of of rightness, of completeness, of, you know things all fit together properly. You know, which is kind of the opposite of gratuitousness in some ways. You know, which is kind of like, let's throw this in for no good reason. When beauty is like, everything has its part. And I think we can talk some about that if we want. But I think the more interesting beauty is something that's slightly above that. More more of an emotional response to something you see, you read, you experience. Um, and it might be because it's well put together. Or maybe not. It's just like this... this um not quite like an epiphany, but that sort of moment, that sort of like, it just strikes you and it sinks deeper down from it, you know, it goes through your mind, sinks down deeper into like the soul, the emotions, the, it lasts for some reason or other. And that's a sort of inexplicable, indefinable sense of beauty. Okay. So So, uh,
0: those are two. Yeah. That's, that's kind of your, your thumbprint for for, for For the whole discussion in a sense. Uh, all right, so let's get dive into a little bit more first of the first one, the craft of craft, it. Yeah. So what makes a beautiful uh, piece of writing or beautiful uh, novel uh, or yes. story? Again, okay, part of it is just that, you know, we, we throw around the Chekhov's gun, you know,
1: the gu- if there's gun on the thing, it should be shot. You know, the fact that everything plays its part, everything, nothing's excessive or nothing's, like, the pacing's all good. You know, it's just the sense that everything is as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's one sense, and that can be, you know, your writing doesn't have to necessarily be like beautiful words, and I think then there's an there's an extra sense of beauty in the, I remember Tolkien saying, I think it's in the essay um, on fairy stories, mm-hmm. talking about that certain words, if you use them right, simple words have a lot of power to them, things like gr- grass and tree and leaf. And a lot of times we just kind of throw those around, but when <laughs> Tolkien uses them, you know, they have this whole world of meaning attached to them, and I think there's a sense in beauty is being able to pull out of words, at least for a story, pull out of words the meaning that's in them, mm. as opposed to just slamming them together and doing kind of this cursory meaning of stuff. In some ways, closer to poetry. Well, poetry, you know, is probably the most extreme sense of I'm going to get as much meaning out of three words as possible. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a sense in story where you can do that, to obviously in a more narrative sense, in a more like I'm not just you know trying to create a picture or an image I'm trying to tell this story, but every
0: word carries power. Sure. And that's, I imagine that's a big challenge because you want to go for like eloquent language. You know, you'd be very tempted to just use a lot of flowery words. And then sometimes that becomes kind of a caricature of itself. You know,
1: purple pro, you know, you ever seen those, uh, those, uh, bad writing examples They do that award every year with the beginning <laughs> of novels that are just overblown and with uh-huh. the metaphors and stuff. I forget what that is called. It's you know it's kind of based on that. It was a dark and stormy night thing oh, yeah. of uh, Snoopy's. It
0: just it um, gets
1: too obs- it's
0: obfuscated. Obfuscated? I was thinking that was the word. I think so. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I learned that word from X-Files. Um <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yes, yeah, too
1: much uh, like And I think and it is a and that sort of craft is there's a there's a fine line sometimes it's a, an audience line like I mentioned you were going to throw out half jokingly Bradbury earlier, but like dandelion wine when I'm reading it, it's almost achingly nostalgic. like it just makes me hurt. It's so like I wish life was you know it's like almost like the memories you wish you had. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, I can see some people thinking that language is way too he does tend to just kind of heap language on language.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it works for me. It might not work for everyone. Other people think the very sparse cutback prose of Hemingway is very beautiful. The, like, you know, there is a sense of poetry, I guess, in this that I'm using as few words as possible and as few emotions. It's just kind of a uh, lecture I heard was like the iceberg effect. Like you see like 10 percent of the story. Mm. Um, I just read a Roy story called The Killers, which is supposed to be great. And I I don't I don't get it. I It's not my style at all. I I guess I I do admire more of a, in a kind of a cerebral way, the fact that, hey, wow, he really like said, you know, he he can tell a story with very
0: few adjectives and sort of stuff, like that? a haiku of yeah prose yeah yeah
1: exactly and um, I guess
0: I wonder if too if there's something about the stoicism of Hemingway that kind of appeals to people uh, like if, if you if you're a very stoic kind of person anyway yeah. that that might appeal appear more beautiful yeah. to you and I, I, as I've been reading short stories lately I, I really feel
1: like the the worldview of the writer affects a lot of not only how, the method of the writing but also my reaction to it mm. you know not that I'm like oh I don't be- believe with that but Inherently, the stoicism of Hemingway doesn't affect me because I don't. I'm not a stoic person. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't be like, oh, I. This is how I view the world. I'm like, why are you viewing the world like that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but a little all from beauty, but I think that's why that sort of craft beauty. You have various versions that resound with people right. in different ways. And I figure
0: in video, it's probably kind of the same. People's choices. I, th- I think you could say that. Yeah. I mean, there's. Certainly, um, yeah, we can go into uh, the visual medium here a little bit because, yeah, different people are going to come fall in love with different kinds of movies. I mean, I can fall in love with uh, the beauty, and I think a lot of people will recognize the beauty of, say, a Pixar movie. Um, but then there's also some moments of beauty in black and white movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not just like artistic black and white. Art- black and white is often a choice. It doesn't just have to be old movies or even noirish like, movies. Metropolis is a, quite a beautiful movie for yes. I mean, in, in its in its way, in a very you know old school sci fi uh, sort of way, giving you a completely new kind of yeah. visual yeah. experience. And I think people would say the movies of uh, Bergman or, uh, you know, a lot of the European, the famous European black and whites directors, um, they've got an element of beauty in that, too. Random thing. So it's like the bicycle thief, like the, the video, the visual equivalent to Hemingway. That's arguable. I'd say Hemingway is probably closer to, um, I got his name wrong the last time I mentioned him, so I'm not sure I'm going to say it <laughs> now, but the guy who did, I talked about it a while back, uh, Pickpocket, um, okay. Robert, I, I think it's Brisson, but I might be saying that wrong. But anyway, he does very, he, he strips a lot of emotion out of his, his actors. He wanted them to act very emotionless which for some stories i don't feel really worked like he did a lancelot adaptation and that's really weird yeah yeah i don't i don't personally I, that doesn't work for me because lancelot is supposed to be very arthur stories are supposed to be very extravagant yeah. or very otherworldly and the, this emotionless thing that doesn't work hmm. but i did feel like i said before i think pickpocket did work because it was kind of about this very cynical person and a very you know it, the mood matched the character is, is the way i felt that's so yeah, that's definitely an example where the craft works with it and I think and I think there's a lot of those elements of craft that you need
1: to perfect as much as possible, you know within your own voice and stuff. you know your ability but i think i I remember back when I first started writing in a semi serious manner, I had this idea of called the the polish and the spark or something like that I don't remember what I called it exactly, and the polish was the craft, you know you want to make but the the whole point of that was to to make things, make it easier to see the spark in the work. And I think that's the other sort of beauty. And that's the beauty that, you know, probably people remember the craft beauty many times is more of a cerebral beauty. More of a, Mm. I admire that, or that's Mm. really, I
0: can't, you know, that's, man, that's really clever, or um, and a lot of times, that's why you can uh, admire a movie without necessarily liking yes. it, <laughs> which has happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> many times. Yeah, but uh, the spark is more that 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 moment, that
1: glimpse of something other than you know that brings you outside of yourself, that lifts you up. It's one of those things you just say, "Do you remember when we saw that?" You mm-hmm. know, the sort of things mm-hmm. people feel when they see a sun, beautiful sunset; they have to just stop whatever they're doing and look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's arresting. It's, I like to compare it somewhat to C.S. Lewis's idea of joy that it is that desire for desire. Um, I think that's how he phrases it, and I think that's the more I'm not sure you can make that happen, but you can create circumstances where it's
0: easier for it to happen, (laughs) work towards it, work towards it. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's kind of this. Indescribable thing that you manage to get a glimpse of, and,
1: and sometimes yeah, and sometimes it's something that might be in a bad movie, bad book, but somehow it just works with your frame of mind or the age you're at, mm-hmm. or you know, just because it's it's tilted in a way
0: that meets your soul. Yeah.
1: So examples or comments on that?
0: Well, uh, you mentioned earlier how uh, you know we talked about stoicism and sometimes how it connects with your worldview and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and I know we've talked about this before. And I, I remember we it kind of tied into truth. One of these things, yeah. one of the reasons why we find certain things beautiful is that there is an element of truth to yeah. them, and that usually resounds something with something deep inside of us. And, and sometimes you get again in the stoicism example, something that feels very true for someone else's worldview, but not necessarily yeah. your own. Yeah, I do think beauty and truth are very closely linked. I think truth is always beautiful
1: if it's presented in a beautiful. Well, let me. I'm not saying that correctly.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a very fine line here. Yes,
1: there's a fine line. Let me rephrase my idea, which is I think, at least for me as a writer, one goal is to know the truth and then to present it as beautifully as possible. Because to me, part of the possible role of a writer is to highlight good things. You know, to we like to talk about how things should be. You know, You know, when you have a King Arthur novel and it's all great, and then to bring back Lancelot, when Lancelot commits adultery, things go bad. So you're making bad things unbeautiful. Mm. As opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, and King Arthur is always, especially in the more uh, old ones, or the more romantic, um, romanticism, you know, you know, the the style of romantics. Well, King Arthur is usually a very beautiful figure, very beautiful character, you know, in the mm-hmm. sense of, He's heroic and noble and all this other stuff that he's something you aspire to be. Sure. Uh, and then I think there's a lot of times where the, where characters are beautiful in stories. Mm-hmm. Sam Gamgee is a beautiful character. You'll yeah. do anything for Frodo... That is something that you're just, people remember. A lot, yeah. Many people. Re- you know, this is like, if I had to be a hobbit, I would be Sam Gamgee.
0: Because you know? I want to be, you know, cause I he, be. Cause he's a servant in you know, a lot of things, and people recognize how humble he is and how he's sacrificing for Frodo. And
1: You know, he hears Frodo on his back and gives him the food. And more. And the whole scene in Mordor in that last
0: section is just genius. Yeah. Because Frodo really can't do much at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that's there's beauty in a very dark uh, section of the story. Yeah.
1: So, like when Sam's there and they're both in the prison in uh, Minas Uh, Morgul, or Morgul, yeah. um, And and Sam sees the star and sings that song. Mm -hmm. Oh man, good stuff. (laughs)
0: Yes,
1: the the eucatastrophe is generally a beautiful thing. Have we defined? Well, I'm sure we have at some point. But eucatastrophe is sort of where everything's going bad and then it turns good. Mm -hmm. And I think when you use that in such in, in a manner that resounds with at least for me, you know, truth and stuff, it's nice. It's good stuff.
0: It, it's so. where, yeah, whenever whenever beauty and truth meet up like that, it's very good. Because truth can take on, or I should say falsehood, lies can take on a beautiful yeah. form. Beauty can be deceiving. You know, it's done used incorrectly. The Bible refers to Satan as a, a he, that he masquerades as an angel of light. And, and there's plenty of movies that make things that I wouldn't agree with seem like, oh, this is a great thing to do and happy and, you know. Right. Good
1: things happen from it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and stories have played too with the with that idea of uh, evil being, you know, kind of friendly. Mister Morden, Babylon Five. <laughs> no, Mister Morden is a great example of that. <laughs> I mean, the audience doesn't trust him at all. But for Mondo, at first, he seems very appealing. Yes, and I'm sure there are other characters like that that aren't coming. to Oh, that. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, how about name some beautiful moments, scenes, characters? Well, when I was thinking uh, about. Um, Beautiful. I guess we're going more into now and in, again into the uh, the, the, the mo- emotional the emotional side, side. Yeah, yeah. Because we could talk about the craft all day, but yeah. Well, I, I thought of a couple categories within uh, that side of beauty, and one of those was was visual beauty. Yeah. Um. And that can be you know that can range anywhere from landscapes. You know yeah. the, this is Middle Earth. This is where Tolkien thrives in the just the <laughs> he does the beautiful setting. Lothlorien of- cannot come across in visuals, I don't think, as well as it does in that
1: book. Probably not. No, I mean they try very well, but there's just a way the words bring about this sort of angelic, yeah, and th- the way light seems to work in the words that is hard to pull off in a visual. Well, and that's true for elves in general. Too. Yeah, and el- yeah, anything with elves, anything with elves, <laughs> or anything in the Silmar- like so- anything in the and some of the way he writes, like the, the um, what's the place out west where the elves <laughs> live? <laughs> way out west. <westward. laughs>
0: no, nah, nah, nah. but you know you the trees, yes. and you have
1: the you have the Silmarils, and then you have that. That tree, then, then the like the ancestor of the, um, Shalab comes sucks it dry. That
0: scene is astounding in yeah. the Silmarillion, which is, an, I wonder if that's partly because the Silmarillion is such a history in a sense that you've the scenes that, that do have very striking visual imagery are very memorable. I, I the, think I do think it's that I
1: think Tolkien knew how to use language being a linguist. That That is, I mean, that is very especially true, especially in the very Mythic stuff resounds with me. You know, mythic stuff always seems more beautiful for some reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's just something that's personal. Right. But let's see, someone else who's very good at uh visual beauty, obviously Miyazaki. Miyazaki. The the genius, I mean, yeah. you, you just those are movies that you, you just want to look into the background and, and, and then find you, all the nooks and crannies. And then you, and, you look at a M- Miyazaki and then they throw Joe Hishiyashi's music on top of it. Oh yeah. And it just
1: <laughs> oh, Yes. Because he very that guy's so. good at making beautiful music. Yes. I
0: mean, music that just instantly six. I mean he's kind of the eastern yeah. John Williams, in I, many ways. I guess you could sort of, if you want to include audio, you could sort of expand visual beauty into, like, sensory beauty. Sensory beauty, yeah. yeah. I guess if you want to go a full length, you get into, like, senses that aren't really applicable for stories, like taste. It's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a scrumptious See, you
1: know, meal apparently
0: something. the best visual representation of that ever was Ratatouille.
1: <laughs> you know, True. I eat this, and suddenly... And you know, and I have no palate at all for that
0: sort of stuff. I mean, and probably the uh, the literary equivalent would be uh, the Redwall series, where they're yeah, constantly but... eating. And that... <laughs> it's like after battle, <laughs> yay a feast. <laughs> we're on our we're on a journey, yay a great meal. And you definitely get a feel. I guess Brian Jax loved uh, writing about food. Like, hey. <laughs> But okay, the so simple that, beauties. Yes, so that's the sensory. I mean, obviously, a a, a beautiful person, a beautiful woman, you know, yeah, that, all that kind of stuff fits into that category too. Um And then we we'll go. Oh, okay, I'll throw in. This we mentioned Battle Five, right? Okay. A beautiful
1: scene in Balon Five is Lando looking out the window as as, as Nars getting bombed. <laughs> no, I'm seriously like for me, this is one of like the I love this like I could watch. I love that picture. The picture is astounding. I think it's beautiful because it captures so many different conflicting emotions of Londo simultaneously.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hits you in the feels, you know, as they say. <laughs> as they say. As they say. That's true, which is something I almost overlooked, particularly in the visual medium. mean, you know, it's very closely related to craft, but cinematography. I mean, yeah. there is a whole aspect, too. Just like a, a painting, you know, people will study a painting to kind of see how things are presented and yeah. the framing and the lighting all that stuff every scene of film is the same way one of my in fact one of my lighting books at, at film school was called every frame of rembrandt um, again pointing out rembrandt was yeah. kind of was very much light was a prominent feature of his paintings and obviously uh light is a very important part of uh, filmmaking you have to have uh Good exposure to get a good looking image, and especially old school filming. There's man, there's some cameras coming out nowadays that will like give you ridiculous amounts of good imagery in like really low lighting situations. <laughs> I've seen the A7S, <laughs> I've go look that up and like low light stuff you can do with A7S. It's, it's ridiculous Crazy. but anyway that's a side tangent but yeah cinematography that's a very important part yeah. of the visual beauty yeah and it can really enhance the motions and everything going on and mm-hmm. you know i was reading about uh, some uh wikipedia articles recently about pixar movies and they they noted, like say in wally the beginning of it has this very kind of they went to with a not lush but it, it was very warm kind of environment even yeah. though it's on a deserted yeah. earth it's very warm colors and stuff. Then when you first get onto the spaceship, the Axiom, it all becomes very, it's very cool, sterile kind of environment.
1: It's interesting, I have a whole book of, um, basically Pixar will do outlines of the movies in color. I mean, just just the color feeling of different scenes. Mm -hmm. And I have a whole book that kind of shows, like, the color progress in different movies. Yeah. And I recently saw some YouTube, like, one-minute thing where they were showing that how Pixar used different colors. It's called Roy G. Biv.
0: It's mm-hmm. interesting. Did and I, I guess, like they said in the beginning of them, they, they try to stay away from... Uh, too much yellow or green. Yellow because they didn't want Wally to blend too much in with the background. And then green... The the, got, the, the plant really... S- yeah, the, the plant really pops out then when you, when you don't okay. see much green before Beautiful, that. Beautiful use of contrast like that. Recently saw...
1: What's it called? Gravity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the whole thing's you know, you're just chaotic and you're out in space and you get this real sense of just isolation. Then when she lands on Earth, it mm. is like... Yeah. It is like suddenly your eyes are assaulted with color. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a very interesting choice to not do flashbacks or anything else, but just to, you know, all you see basically is blackness and metal yeah. for an hour and a half. And then. And then she lands. And then, and then she lands. And there, there's a. It does more than. I mean, obviously, solubly uh, or intellectually, I really noticed it, but it really just really drives home the meaning I mean, it sunk in a little
0: deeper because it was such a powerful switch. Yeah, there's a lot to the cinematography often that backs up the story in ways yeah. you don't even always realize because yeah. you're focusing on the story. Well, I mean, some film people do, obviously, because yeah. I mean, they never look were, for that they're, kind of stuff. Yeah, they're programmed into that. Yeah. Okay, so that's that aspect of it. Then another uh, aspect of beauty, I think, in stories is the... Uh, the human beauty, or, and this can be either like, say, a, a character, who's mm-hmm. a, a beautiful character. I think um, Prince Zuko goes through a beautiful reformation or a redemption arc in uh, Avatar The Last yeah. Airbender. Um, I have to bring
1: up It's a Wonderful Life, um, George Bailey, mm-hmm. just. Uh,
0: the, the final the, scene of, of. well, the whole, and the,
1: the whole thing, just the, the. You know, even though he gets all beat down, he, he is this character who can't not do these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he spends his whole life sacrificing for people and just, it's like he doesn't even understand the sort of person he is. Mm -hmm. Like, I have people in my family say they won't watch the movie, it's too sad. But to me, it's, okay, it is sad part, but it's it's such a beautiful sad for most of it. You know, because it it beats you down kind of, but it's like, it's all the right way of being beat down. It's not because you did anything
0: wrong at all. It's because you only did everything right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, a certain uh, Stephen Muffet quote, sad is happy for deep people. <laughs> sometimes, which is sometimes true. Um, Happiness is a sad song. That's a... A Charlie Brown a tra- thing? Yeah. Yeah, I can see I that. I agree with that, yeah. I can see that. Another uh, character moment that I thought was very beautiful, and I don't really talk about this movie because I don't honestly remember a whole lot of it beside from the end scene of Mr. Holland's opus. Which is kind of a celebration of this music teacher's life, and similar again to a, *It's a Wonderful Life* in that regard, kind mm-hmm. of celebrating this one character. But I just, anytime a character is like validated for years of service and all this kind of stuff, it always, it always gets yeah. me right in the feels, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> and then do do a, a character one, but also one that just I think really,
1: especially for me, works because of worldview and stuff. When I watched *Passion of the Christ*, I've only seen it once. I saw it in theater way back whenever it came out. Need to see it again one of these days, but I I it always stuck with me and just really affected me. Where he Jesus is, he's already been whipped and all that stuff that it was very painful to watch. And then he's walking down the road with his cross and he stumbles and there's like one that I, I don't know is Mary or who and he's like he's all bloody and everything. He says, "Look, I'm making all things new." And that that sort of suffering servants get me. Okay, that mm. that's something. It's a Wonderful Life bet! Mm-hmm. it's something that to me that's the one of the more be- beautiful sort of characteristics you can have and in that case to have all this agony and then on top of that that juxtaposition of you know revelation of this suffering is working out the redemption of all things that's mm-hmm. that scene captured it very well for me yeah it resonates with me. it resonates you. with me yes yeah and I th- I'm sure everyone has certain scenes in movies where, like, oh, remember when he did this? And so you know, sometimes it's just odd movies, like remember when Iron Man did, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's something that it, it some. It, it, it resonates with some part of you that you find true or important
0: or mm-hmm. personal. Because mm-hmm. even within the Christian faith, there are. A lot of different aspects that people will... We're all made different. Yeah, exactly. They're all the different aspects. We have got certain traits and things that really resonate strongly with us, sometimes more strongly within one person than another person.
1: And that's the tricky thing about beauty. Just like we talk about gratuitous, it's hard to define exactly where that line is. Beauty is hard to pick out, this everyone will find beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might find everyone will find the craft good, anyone who knows anything about the craft. But
0: it's hard to say everyone will be (laughs) deeply affected by this moment. Well, and and that can be a tricky thing regarding craft too, because sometimes you have a movie or a book or something that someone who's a longtime student of the craft would be like, "This is not very good." But yeah. maybe someone, you know, and that's one of the great things about being a kid. For instance, you you don't have all this like background experience of like what defines what is a good and a yeah. bad story or you know elements or cliches. You don't know any about any of that kind of stuff. You come fresh it stuff. Yeah. So like, there's a. Potential for a lot of movies early on that you know later on you realize okay that wasn't so good, but there that's why there was that part but, of you that resonated, and with that, that was
1: the first time I ever saw that happen. Yeah, you know even if exactly. it happened in every movie since then, you yeah. know, <laughs> the first time, and that's you know, that's an un- unfortunate thing for us sometimes as humans that the second or third time a certain thing happens, we're like, oh, we've seen that before, yeah, where sometimes it's still just as I mean, sometimes it's
0: just the writers are also just using it as a crutch, and that's something right. kind of different, but. <laughs> well, and I think that that's true again. Why some people enjoy things that uh, like critics or someone else might find really cheesy? Because critics watch like every movie out there, and then but then some of your other people they don't spend. <laughs> they, they may watch yeah. one movie a month, if that. It,
1: it's interesting just talking about things over and over again. Something that Wonder of Beauty it doesn't have some sense to do with how honestly you you know like some scenes can be. Maybe the writers using the crutch, but you're you're uh, observing it with a, this newness is honesty this like hmm. i'm taking it at face value right um and i think i would guess that earnest earnestness i guess that's writing things earnestly maybe makes it easier to make it beautiful like you're not trying necessarily to be imp- you, you sometimes if you try to be impressive you're not as impressive if you're just
0: <laughs> yeah writing something that you deeply feel mm. mm-hmm Or like as C.S. Lewis would say, uh, that one time, don't worry about being creative because if you worry too much about just being creative or original, you won't find out becoming real original. Yeah. But if you your focus is on the story, which we've said before, you'll turn out some good stuff. Yeah. But I think we've
1: read this this beauty and truth. So if you don't believe it's true, it's not going to come off beautiful. Yeah. But if you if this is like something you 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 believe in and you write it in that, you know, and somehow convey that passion that you know the way you admire whatever I think it's much more likely to come through and then if you have a good craft it helps too
0: but yeah very true okay let's get back real yes. quick to uh, finish up also on the the human side of things we said talked about a beautiful character yes. relationships are also uh, a very yes, important yes. part of that obviously romance is a big part of it i think there's always that one Romantic movie that you know it's really touches you because, like, yeah, it felt it feels real, and you know, and that can be you know, that's another tricky thing. Some romances can feel fake, like, um, what is that? It's the one where uh,
1: Christopher Reeves is in it's like Mackinac Island goes back in time, and he you're not talking about Superman, no, 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 same actor. Oh, okay, but he goes back in time, he meets this girl. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, what is that? Somewhere in time, or something like that. Anyways, people love it. it didn't work for me. That's all I'm saying. Because uh, one of these like you know, one of these cross time and deep barrier uh, sort of love stories.
0: Kinda like the Lake House. I think that worked for yeah. some people and didn't work for yeah. others. Yeah, probably like that. Yeah. I'll tell you another relationship thing that I thought worked really well, Wally. Wally, it yeah. worked amazingly well. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I, that's one I see the up. Yes, up obviously <laughs> the beginning of up. I don't know how you do that in five minutes, but you can. But I, I just remember. Michael sh- I just remember in in uh, Wally sitting in the theater when like they kind of reunite uh, out in the space and they do the dance yeah, around right. the spaceship and just ah, oh, that's a beautiful moment. And then directive. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then say, anyways. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah yeah I think I think those relationships, when done really well you just Beauty, I think, not just, you know, it affects you, but then you're like, life should be like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the point of beauty, is Mm -hmm. that you want, that makes people want to make life like these things that you feel like aren't even... Like you feel like they can exist, but you're not sure that they can survive, but you want them to
0: anyways. <laughs> I guess you could say the ending the losses like that in a sense. Yeah. Like I don't agree believe the afterlife is anything like what they do in the end of it. But, but the, the emotional th- resonance of that is very Yeah. You you yeah. you want to sometime have eventually have be able to, you know, meet with, with all these people <sighs> to, and to, share in that fellowship. Yeah, and and have all the past In the past. In the past. Yes. And I Everything think that happened. Happened, and I think that ties into one last idea with uh, beauty, and that's the lost beauty. <laughs> um, nah, nah, okay, not. Nah, <laughs> what wasn't relating to that loss. <laughs> Good transition. This, uh, <laughs> but the idea here I had was from like the elves leaving oh, middle, yeah. middle Earth, or um, in that's Castle the Sky. Beauty. It's a sad <laughs> beauty. It's it's something that was once great and beautiful and grand that is now gone, and somehow that makes it even more beautiful. I think the human race has been dealing with this ever since Garden of Eden. Yeah. Honestly, that, that that sense of yeah, that, that lostness,
1: that brokenness, and the fact that you can see glimpses of it not being broken. Yeah, um, that there's 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 examples or there's echoes or there's brief glimpses of here's how things were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what makes it so beautiful. It's it goes with that you know the defining it as beauty almost rise up this desire in you
0: like. Mm-hmm. If only, or like in, one day, and that it's almost more beautiful because you can't have it, sort of thing. I mean, with Christianity again, there is this hope that we will have it again yeah. someday. That someday all this will, all this trouble will end, and someday we will experience that beauty yeah. again. So, when if you can tap into that, that's that's an amazing thing. And yeah, most stories are some version. I mean, conflict
1: is I lost something I wanted, but we don't. You not not all conflict focuses on that aspect of deep things that we have lost. Yes. Redemption, sometimes stories are like
0: that. Beautiful moment, you know, Ben Linus. Yeah.
1: No one else wants me. He's the only one that'll take me.
0: Yeah. Well, to wrap this up, I uh, wanted to give you a chance to read a certain Dostoevsky quote you mentioned to me the other day. Oh, yeah, I found this. Well, I didn't
1: find it. Actually, I was reading uh, Dawn Crandall's book. that She was on our podcast quite a while ago. Quite a while ago. Um, But her book's out, and I, I thought, hey, I'll read that. Um, but there was a quote at the beginning I just thought it was very interesting. First off, because it's uh, Dostoevsky writing it. I'm not sure who says this in The Brothers Karamazov, but it's from that book. Let's see. Beauty is not only a terrible thing, it is a mysterious thing. There, God and the devil strive for mastery, and the battleground is the heart of man. Which is pretty... I mean, and that's true, because the danger of beauty, and we've mentioned this very briefly, is that you can make things beautiful that shouldn't be, mm-hmm. or weren't, or whatever.
0: Because... Uh, or you can make truth look bad. Can, you can make truth look bad, and you can make a, a lie look beautiful. But in the end, beauty is a me- is a part of God's creation. Yeah. He's created. It. The devil can only try to mirror it or imitate it, or yeah. this this uh, because, distort yeah. it. But Even
1: if they've distorted it, there's still some element of it that was beautiful. True. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's I'm sure we can go on, but doesn't Screw no. Tape say something along those lines? Probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> screw Tape says a lot of things <laughs> that are very true. profound. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, better, we better move on to soundtrack. Okay, for my soundtrack today, I opened up OC Remix thinking I would do a Secret of Mana song because there's a lot of beautiful music from that game. Yes. But I didn't get much farther from the homepage, and I realized <laughs> there was a new Final Fantasy X Remix. We don't do Final Fantasy very often, so we thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I try to, <laughs> yeah, anyway, we actually do. No, well, Who Master makes great stuff he he does these master of melody i think the only one who does it better or on equal ground is uh, john williams yeah. these days the song he wrote for final fantasy X is a gorgeous one yes. so i couldn't resist this is a remix of at zanarkand and the name of the song is zanarkand string quartet so as you can tell beautiful classical emotive wonderful stuff We are back. I uh, hope you enjoy that. It's a string quartet. Any version of Anakin is worth listening to, I think. Yeah, that that is true. It's hard to mess that song up bad. That's true. And you know, I'm not sure if I said who who did that. That was remixed by Grey Fox 1217. Dun, dun, dun. So, there you go. All right, with that said, we're going to go into our next segment, which is a bit of story. Today, for a bit of story, uh, we have a selection of Nicks. Dun-dun. dun Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got so. the copyright cleared, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's always helpful. <laughs> All right. So, Nick, you want to set this story up for us?
1: All right. So, it's one of my flash fictions. I think I have, uh, did you see my new story index on my website?
0: I did. I was, there, I,
1: there's I, a lot of, there's like 67 of these flash fictions now. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. very handy.
1: Um, but anyways, this particular one I wrote, on a. we were driving to North Carolina and I wrote on, I think on an iPhone or iPad, I don't remember which, which is the only time I ever did, did that. But I had this idea, I think it was from Rennie somehow, I don't remember how, it's very interesting. But anyways, it's largely just, uh, I won't spoil the story, it's only a thousand words, but I will attempt to read it in my best reading voice, uh, which is merely adequate. <laughs> have you ever been to a, have you ever been to a Renaissance Festival in Michigan? No. <laughs> there's, there's this uh puppet guy, and he's like, uh, not merely adequate and that's like his his phrase <laughs> <laughs> so his catchphrase nice. so okay so i'll just start it's called the butterfly and here it is he listened to charlotte's laugh from where he pretended to study and watched her from behind his notebook the sun shone in her hair and on her cheeks and the sound of flowers was on her voice You could pick it out distinctly from among the six of them jabbering away. Hers held a depth of rain and cool darkness, while the others were birds twittering endlessly. Daniel tried not to stare, but it was May, and it was deliciously warm, and the calculus upon his lap was heavy and pale, a mushroom upon the green fields of the park. Everywhere, almost men and almost women, lounged and dashed, flung themselves foolishly into grass pulsing with color, skipped and sang and sauntered. Yesterday, hid in the mists of time, the future rippled out endlessly, moment by moment, savored like the wet crunch of golden apples upon the tongue. Today, Daniel decided, for perhaps the seventh or eighth time, he would finally find a way to get Charlotte alone. Always, she traveled with her gaggle, smiling and setting the world on fire with her brilliant gaze. Her music subsumed into the alien feminine scherzo. He had exchanged words in the cafeteria and classroom, joined in mock fights in the dorm lobby, but he knew no more about her than a thorough scouring of her Twitter feed might, and did, reveal. In the new-made light of spring, he ached to know her more clearly. He stuffed his homework into his backpack, stood, and approached with unthinking confidence. Pan's wild flute strengthened him. Hello, he said, finding it the easiest way to assault the din of discussion. Charlotte, could I take you on a walk? It's a lovely day. Such directness confused the collective. They looked to Charlotte, asking wordlessly if she understood what was being demanded of her and she looked at them, asking for permission to answer. Sure, she said, her smile returning. That sounds fun. She glanced back unconsciously as she left her almost twins, like Orpheus looking back to ensure Eurydice still followed. She and Daniel walked in silence for a time, settling into the path, into the possession of one another. Did you see the new Pixar yet, he asked. Of course she had. He'd seen her there with her tribe. It was the first question, the necessary question, because to inquire of movies among students was to inquire of weather among farmers. And she began to speak with joy and passion she spoke and he listened ears tilted his soul aghast with wonder at the aria of her speech when she seemed to come to the end of a thought and the final strains of music began to trail into a holy silence he would add a few words prompt a question and she after a moment's hesitation like a skipped heartbeat will let forth a melody in response he listened and picked out a second theme beneath the first and like a conductor he drew it out, and her rich, deep voice flowed over mother and father and brother, touching softly with great care upon a phone call or childhood memory. And they walked among the shadows and the blinding sun in grass overfull of chlorophyll, surrounded by young demigods convinced of their immortality. Daniel passed soundlessly. Charlotte colored the sky and painted the clouds and shaded the trees with quick, tentative strokes. She glanced at him and flashed her teeth in unaccustomed delight. Why do you look at me like that? she asked. Like what? he answered, reddening. She laughed and turned away. In that burst of triumph and joy he spoke. From the longing in his heart he spoke bright, and possible words. Who are you, Charlotte Nussbaum? They had nearly gone full circle, and the sun continued on his dying path, blazing as it fell to earth. At the picnic table, like a flock of pigeons, the others waited, squawking. Daniel touched Charlotte ever so lightly, like wind that kisses flowers, and she stopped. He looked at her, Letting the question flutter around them, skittish, a butterfly deciding whether to land or to flit away to other gardens. Her face was sun upon rough water, blinding and beautiful and confused. She glanced at her cohorts, her band of sisters, for they sensed her and she sensed them. Daniel could feel the gravity pulling her. Should we, he ventured. She shook her head, distracted. The walk was over. The song was ending. With the echoing sounds of footsteps, the lead was exiting, stage left. The question landed ever so gently ready to fly. He heard its tiny feet upon the red of her lips. I, Daniel, I don't know. She turned away and the little butterfly disappeared, and with shouts of joy the harpies welcomed Charlotte back as she joined her voice to theirs and it was swallowed up in the too bright light of the setting sun that particular story I did purposely try to make it very capture that sense of spring and that spring fever you have as a college kid when you're like must go talk to a girl
0: (laughs) but you also did it in a very uh I mean you could have written this in a much more casual style but you you this is what I meant by good flowery language in a sense
1: this was this was me uh I believe imitating Ray Bradbury at this time (laughs) which I, I I, I find myself tending more to this sort of language in certain, especially in short stories. Mm. Longer stories, it's hard—you you can't keep that up very easily without a deep mm-hmm. emotional sense you're trying to capture, which mm. for me is very difficult in a novel. But in a short story, when you have one idea that you're trying to grab hold of and deliver, I found that I really like this sort of style when it works.
0: Yeah, so that makes sense. I, I can see because no, modern day novels tend to be modern. Yeah. At least modern sounding. Yeah. So, and this is, while it is obviously a modern setting, a whole book of it might be distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That was The Butterfly. So, nice job. You made I,
1: it. I, I did it. That that read pretty well. I, I, I like it. And I like, I like alliteration. Like, I, I'm not a very good poet. Like, I don't write poems very well. Like, I don't have ideas for poems. But I always like the idea of playing with words in the way poets do. Um, like, I like I'm almost too mathematical with poems. I like my, my IMs. <laughs> Uh, my 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 blank verse, free verse is much rougher for me.
0: You haven't yeah. done haiku much, though.
1: No, I haven't done haiku much.
0: Which that is very. That's a pretty. Uh, that's
1: structured. pretty pretty structured thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yes. Sometimes, maybe. All right. So that is our beautiful little story of a butterfly. And now we'll wrap things up with project update. <music> All right. Damn, so- you have some big news. I do have some news, yes. Uh, New Wells Rising is now available as an e dun Dun-dun-dun! Yay! So you can go over to com right now and go download that. You can pay as much as you like for it, or nothing, if you so wish. Um, not that we're saying that's the better choice, but, you know, that is an option. <laughs> it is an option. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, it's... Uh, we're really happy to have it out there. Um, yeah. If you've not read any children of the Wells stories, there is a previously on section written by uh, Nick's wife Natasha, yeah, who's very good at doing that sort of thing, yes. putting things together, and and it's
1: a it's a nice kind of a nice place to come in if you haven't, it because it's it's almost launching kind of
0: phase two of of yeah children, children of wells. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. We're right on the cusp of entering kind of a new time of uh, Trinity walls and and it's it's fitting too because we've. Um, I don't remember if we've talked about this on here before, but we have put together a compilation of uh, a print compilation of Brawn and Clea. The first three uh, Brian and Kalia novellas have been uh, put in one print book. It's a, a nice-looking book. Yeah, it is a nice-looking book. About 300 book. pages. A good-sized
1: novel. Now. And
0: now with uh, this, with my story finished, uh, that completes the first uh, Jason trilogy, yep. if you will. So that will probably be coming out in, an, in next month the, or ho- The hope
1: is by no later than early November because we want it for a, the
0: Allen County Public Library book signing thing. The thingy. author thing? Yeah. Cool. Which... I just went to the tail end of that last year, but actually, I was really interested in uh, that one. There's a panel at the end about uh, self-fiction or self-publishing. Oh, okay. Which I just thought it would be interesting. So you go for and me. see what. Yeah. Yeah, because you know more, way more about it than I do. But I'd be really curious. To find I'm, out I'm what sure they have there's a lot say. more now than there was. I mean, it yeah. keeps changing. And yeah. So I think
1: yeah. I thought that would be interesting. Um, so if you're in Fort Wayne, you can come um, to Allen County Public Library. I believe it's November 9th.
0: Yeah, sounds right. Sure. Yeah, I think it's right. Yeah. So is there anything new uh, with your pro- ongoing projects, Nick? Um,
1: I'm almost... Well, I'm in the second... F- ha- I'm doing this ghostwriting thing again where I basically polish up chapters for this uh, landlording book. Um, you know, just hints and tips about being a landlord. And I, I basically make it sound nice, and then right now I'm going through and editing my changes because <laughs> I just make mistakes when I change stuff.
0: Sure.
1: I'm making sure it sounds good after the fact. Mm-hmm. So that should be done pretty soon. Writing a quick short story just because I wanted a break. And then... I got to write my play for the youth for Christmas, which will be uh, it's always
0: an interesting thing. <laughs> I got about three pages done of it, but cool. Yeah, for uh, for writing not being your your full time job, you you do get a lot of different things you have to write for.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I was thinking the other day. I, I like I mean I probably would be do fine if I wrote full time, but it's it's I don't know. I like having a job that's just I work with my family, I get paid, I do you know do other sort of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, that feels like I'm interacting with people and helping stuff, and then I get to come home and I can I can write my own stuff. So It worked well for me at this time of life.
0: Oh, cool. So, That's always good. Uh,
1: and then and then the hope then is to get back on Strand Fred because it's been, I knew I was going to have to take a break to do this ghostwriting thing. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'll just do that and the play real quick and then get back to Strand Fred unless there's a Chilling Wells thing that needs to be done. <laughs> but.
0: Now the question is can you get back to String Fred before November because I know you had talked about doing some nano stuff.
1: Well, and the thing is as it sits now. I, I kept thinking about doing some, but honestly, I'll probably if I get this short story done, which is what I want to do, I'll probably go back. I've done enough other stuff. I'll probably go back to String Fred unless there's some yeah. Other thing that has to get done. Sure. Yeah. But I figure I'm I'm starting to miss it now, and I'm I'm ready to do the third section. Well, that's a good sign that you're missing it, because for, yeah. for
0: a long time you were just ignoring. Yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I got deep enough into the Fred. I mean, it still will be it will be rough because I have to reposition myself yet again into the whole third section. Uh huh. But I think now it's having done two full thirds and some of the third third done. I feel like oh wait I can actually get this finished. Okay. You know, before you know, you're almost so far. You're like, ah, oh, it's gonna take forever. <laughs> Short stories are almost more comforting when you don't, when you have mm. limited time. Mm-hmm. You're like, I did something. Look, <laughs> as opposed to like, I'm writing two hundred thousand words. Well, it's not, it won't be that long, but right. it might be a hundred and might be hundred fifty, which is pretty long for me. Sure, hundred ten usually is my cap. So,
0: well, good luck with that. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> most of what's going
1: on around here. Apple Festival. Yeah. Is, well, actually, that might be done by the time this comes out. Yeah, it depends. We'll
0: see. But. Yeah, I, one thing I don't think I've mentioned here on the podcast yet is I have left my uh, regular job or what had been my job for a while at Archery Tag. And I'm still working for the church, but I'm trying to start up a freelance videography stuff. So I've got and I've got a few things trying to need to kind of start building it up a little more this this month. So if you have a video project you need me for you can hire me if you like. <laughs> so, good work. But yeah, and uh, thankfully, I mean, the church has been kind of my backup part-time. I've been doing a lot of stuff with that recently. Um, yeah, that's nice. So For yeah, transitional yeah, purposes. Yeah, I, I think so. And we'll see. Uh, I My goal is to uh, get some things in motion uh, through the end of this year so that beginning next year I can kind of pursue the web video series or the nice. web series thing I've talked about before. Nice. So... We'll see how that goes. And then Can we have some uh, Dural Trains news. Yes, there is some Dural Trains news. We released on September 24th was our uh, four-year anniversary. Which is... Like, right around, like, the anniversary of Lost, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) In a couple days. Yeah, very strangely (laughs) enough, which I I don't think we... I don't think we ever knew that, that, yeah. Yeah, well, September 24th is also Jim Henson's birthday, so... so It's like a perfect combination. Yeah, but obviously the world wanted us to to do a podcast. Yeah. So it fits. but so And, not, and to celebrate that, we uh, put out our first episode on YouTube. we had been talking about doing that for a while. So you can share it to people. Yeah, so you can share it. And it's a little easier in some ways to link to, than it is to a podcast. Well, I mean, you can And link. a lot of people watch you listen to and watch YouTube all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm not one of those people, but a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah, it's, it's easy for them. They don't have to download a file to do it. They just, you know, yeah. hit play. Um, so that's there on YouTube if you want to look us up. And uh, my goal, actually, to uh, we're gonna do our main celebration for our anniversary during our 50th episode, which In is two episodes. Yes, yeah, coming up fast, ridiculously fast. But to kind of continue that celebration, we're going to continue to do the uh, road Trains reruns on YouTube. Well, uh, my aim is to do, uh, have a new episode up every day from October till uh, the 50th. Well, till uh, November sometime, probably like until like right before Thanksgiving. Nice. So, yeah, uh, that'll be an exciting way. If you want to uh, mean to go back and re-listen to some episode, maybe there's some topic that uh, uh, you really wanted to hear about again. That might be an exciting way to do it. Just go through uh, day at a time. More derailed trains in your life is not a bad thing. No, never. (laughs) Absolutely. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Most likely. (laughs) All right. right. With with that, now that we've downplayed ourselves, uh, we should mention uh, Mm. our own our own website. Yes, uh,
1: derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com is our main site with all the episodes. All the
0: episodes. Um, all the episodes are belong to you. Uh, <laughs> they, well, no, they're not. But they're available for you to listen to. at Dural trains And you
1: can email stuff. us at uh,
0: Dural trains at gmail.com, mm-hmm. which is checked once a year. <laughs> a little bit. I think I check it a little bit more. <laughs> I don't. That. <laughs> but that is available. We're also on iTunes. You can download all our episodes there. And uh, we, we do need to work. Zach was telling me a little bit more about that. Uh, the Stitcher? Stitcher, yes. And it's like, oh, okay, that seems doable. It okay. wasn't quite as involved as I thought. I was afraid it would I be. I know nothing about it except the name.
1: And then we're on Mixlers when they hear us live, which is always entertaining. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, that would be a <laughs> Lila, Dodge, uh, com, backslash, surreal trains of thought. Yes. The whole thing? The full, yeah. the full thing. The
0: full yep. thing. Uh, with that said, Nick, do you want to uh, introduce your uh, soundtrack before yeah. we get caught here at ULABA's yeah. yeah, you House? want the long
1: or short introduction? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, okay, here,
1: here's, here's my medium introduction, which is the other songs I wanted were too long. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, I did have to throw out there. Um, if you want really good, beautiful stuff, go listen to Beethoven's Ninth. It's a little long for the podcast. The double <laughs> fugue at the end of uh, near the end of uh, Movement 4 is just astounding and just gets me all the time. Uh, not all the time, but every time I listen to it. I'm not like, oh, oh, I got it uh,
0: again. <laughs> I'm just impressed that you were able... You're able to name use words like fugue. Yeah, well, I four. listened to a, I listened to a lecture on it too. See, uh... Beethoven's
1: Knife has fascinated me for a long time. Um, I've listened to I watched. Yeah, I've, I've studied it some, and not as much as I would like. But anyways, let's see. And then also, Maze Dude has a song called Glowworm Jim, which if I had one remix I had that I could only have, it would be this one. It's aggressive ambient, apparently according to him, because he makes up his own genres. Mm-hmm. Um, it's seven minutes long, a little long for the podcast. But I can listen to the song repeatedly. It always makes me in a good mood. It I wrote a poem inspired by it.
0: But so. it is not the soundtrack where you. No, you're
1: doing. I, I had to sell it because they <laughs> could go out to maze dude and go and find it under the American album. Okay, um, no, this is also a very good song. McVaff, who uh, is the remixer, remixes a lot of great stuff. I mean, his stuff is o- always. Quite entertaining and many times beautiful. Then mm-hmm. he remixed it from a game called Okami, which I've not played, but apparently is also very beautiful.
0: From what I've heard, I need to play it.
1: The song is called "Celestial Winds from the East."
0: Has that very calming Oriental. It, it, it has that has that sort of, beauty. of that Eastern elegance.
1: Of a minimal elegance of, a lot of their, you know, a lot of the Japanese Eastern art. And I, I,
0: I really like it, yeah. And a very appropriate song for uh, our location today. Yes. Which, speaking of... Uh, Is that w- stink spirit coming back? I hope not. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, f- not. I, I'm beginning to smell something. bicycle though. grease all over me for ages. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, let's... Right. I hear a lot of yelling. Maybe that, that other creature started getting into stuff. I think our usual tactic of hiding is in, is in order. Yeah, in our- yeah, hiding. Okay, so let's do that. Okay. Until next time, this is uh, Tim. This has been Nick. And we'll see you next time. Adios.